What's up, y'all? Welcome to What Sibling Rivalry, the Zoom podcast, the quarantine edition. I'm Kente Scott, and that is my lovely sister. I'm Shonda Scott, Kente's sister and co-host of What Sibling Rivalry. Yes, and uh, interviewee extraordinaire. She's been hitting the interview circuit this week. Uh, you were on, uh, what, Mike and Donnie? I was on Mike and Donnie on Fox Soul. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a fun interview. Lots of good energy. Good conversation about, you know, men, women. It was called uh, Ladies Night. So they had, they brought in some estrogen into the testosterone. It was, show. Strong <laughs> it, was, it was strong estrogen in there. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, it right. was, I was like, oh, that estrogen got a little testosterone in it too. They're not playing. It was, <laughs> I was like, you, you were punk, y'all were punking the player. I was like, oh, yeah, I like this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. We tried to be nice. Uh, but it was about boss ladies. They wanted to know um, women in business and, you know, how 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 that is and dating You're and right. what men, if the man makes more money, less money than the woman, that kind of scenario. And Yeah, I, I, I know. It's funny when they were doing the why part of it, like when they were asking you questions. And I was like, why is the age-old argument between men and women till the end of time going to be, why y'all can't never put the seat down? Why you can't look before you sit? Oh, yeah. They asked all the age-old questions. Like, why do women go to the bathroom together? And, and right. why, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, I think the bathroom, the seat, and then it was another one that was an age-old question. Oh, why do you not? order your own food when you get yeah. eat, when you have something to eat i thought yeah. the answer the one guy gave was nice he always and mcdonald's actually has a commercial of, with that same uh ideology where it's like buy get something for somebody else because you know they're gonna want some when they see yours that's mcdonald's commercial on the fry yeah. they just rolled it out and he was saying he always buys something else because he said I know she's not going to say she wants something to eat. So I know she's going to want some meat when she gets mine. So I'm just going to order her some too. I was like, well, that's pretty considerate. I I had, that's a nice way to do it. Yeah, that was a good way because, and and it lowered the men's frustration level because that's my thing. Like if I ask you and you say you don't want to, and don't come dick, get off my plate, get off, get out my plate. I'm so surprised at how many men get upset about that. I mean, I remember uh, just having a full on, our issue argument about like why do you want some wine? I'm like why are you being so selfish? Like why is it a big deal? I'm not gonna eat the whole thing. I just wanted a couple of fries. You know they look good when you brought them out. Everybody's yeah. stuff looks better on somebody else's plate. So well, you always said, see it. Yeah, when y'all said that, I was like, oh, it makes a lot of sense now because like we literally, I just asked you if you wanted something. You told me it's, it's almost like, and it's not correlating women to children, but it's like when you're a parent, you'd be like, you gotta go to the bathroom, and they say no. And as soon as you start driving, they'd be like, we gotta go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) At the time you asked, I was not hungry. Right. Yeah, but then when you brought it, it looked good. So can I have a bite? Yeah. Since we we are we. (laughs) Exactly, we'd be like, go ahead. And then y'all always get the good fried. Like, like I I grew up with you, so I'm used to it, but you always find that perfect Friday. We like almost set this fry to the side. And you're like, yeah, I'll take these two. Like, I guess I'll eat those are the best ones. <laughs> yeah. and, and then I was on uh, the Black News Channel. That's a, a new news network that it airs internationally too. And it was right. that was really fun. That was, I mean, I really was impressed with their set and the uh-huh. and the content. Um, we have to go on there again when we can be together. You know, right. since they, if they, if unless they figure out a way to do multiple people on Zoom. Right. They need to they need to have our our guy Ram, give him a tutorial on how to hook it up. Yeah. Uh, now, what that was ladies first, but what was it was just the topic of ladies. The first. topic was ladies first, and then they were just talking about women. And this topic was about you know family business, and then just being an entrepreneur and a okay. um, philanthropist, and how the you know and other things that I do, how how women are able to do right. it all and get it done and keep it moving. Yes, and then. We did an interview together with uh, KABC Radio. Uh, oh, that be, was fun. That'll be airing in the future. That was fun. Uh, he figured out how to have both of us on. Yeah, that's true. But his was a different format, too. So his was more, 
like podcast zoom this is actually a news tv oh, show okay. oh, a news gotcha. show segment right. right right okay so they're more formatted to news and, right. and studio and all that right right there. okay cool cool and then you know a lot has been going on in the world uh this week has been rough yesterday we, we lost the black panther uh chadwick bozeman passed i didn't know that for four years i mean nobody knew because he kept it very uh private that for four years he'd been battling cancer but that would mean that he was black panther while he was battling colon cancer he was black panther he he did uh the movie with uh, uh spike lee recently the the five bloods he did the 21 blocks movie so pretty much almost like a quarter to 33 percent of the movies that he's done he did while he was battling colon cancer for the last four years. A true superhero. Like I, my first thought was like, why are superheroes dying? Kobe yeah. in the in the beginning wow. of the year. Yeah. Now you know Chadwick in in you know almost six, like about six months, half the half year mark, he passes, and it's like, why are superheroes dying? And the Wicked Witch is still flying here. Yes. It is the house gonna land on the Wicked Witch. We have tornadoes, we have fires. I'm like, when is the house gonna land on the Wicked Witch in real life? Because this is hard. But then I read today, one young man uh, wrote about his son response because he was crying and he was upset, you know, cause we're like, we finally get a superhero. We finally get Wakanda right. right. back on the map. And we, and, and then our superhero is gone. He said, he just went to another universe to inspire them, uh, to make them great. I'm like, wow. And that's just how life in heaven and the spirit evolved too. It's like when your work is done here, you go, go to another universe. But I have to say, I, it's really emotional for me that he passed. Cause you know, one cancer, yeah. and I have the Pink Access and Lavender 2 Foundation mm -hmm. that, that, uh, that deals with cancer and survivors and just the impact that it has on our lives and how it's taken out so many of our, you know, young African-American people. Mm -hmm. But then the fact we're in COVID and all these other things are happening, it's just like one thing after another, there's police brutality, killing black men in the streets. Then a black man, Kobe's flying to take his daughter somewhere that dies in a plane crash, you know? Right. And then this man, young man inspiring us to greatness. I'm like, Iron Man is still here and black panther is gone right you know but like you said he's in the he's in wakanda right. another universe doing what he needs to do for some other people we had our seeds planted now which for yeah, us to carry on and he's moved on to another universe yeah. that's I mean, that's that's perfectly said he's he's a great he was, he was great while we while he was here uh like i i, I loved his his dignity and, and his grace that he, like every role he played, whether he never played the, the regular hood roles, um, you know, that Hollywood always like to throw you in, but he, whatever he played, be it a detective or if he was uh, in, in, in Vietnam as a, a flashback uh, soldier, he, he always had like a, a grace and, and dignity about him. Like he was, like Wesley Snipes was supposed to play back Black Panther way back in the day, but mm. it almost is like, well now, once once Chadwick played it the way he played it, it's like, that's T'Challa. Like, he's who, they. that's why they waited. Like, it was almost like it was the perfect timing for the perfect person to play that character the way we needed it. You know, the way Black America needed it, the way America needed it, the way the world needed to see that character brought to life, but it's, you know, I, you know, it's like you said, with, with cancer, you know, we've lost family members and, and friends and it's just like, <laughs> like, I wish I could see cancer in the street so I could just slap the taste out of his mouth. Just, just come here, cancer, get out of here, I'm sick of you. You make me sick, but it's, it, it, And but his I, range though, his range, yeah. this thing, he played, he, Thurgood Marshall is like a giant, Light skin, curly hair. This man plays Thurgood Marshall, and you never yeah. once think about that he couldn't play him. You know, like right. he played him. He played Jackie Robinson. Yeah, he, he played, played all James, our Brown. James Brown. He brought so many people to life and showed them in their humanness and their greatness mm -hmm. that he left like a catalog, a legacy 
and then he plays Black Panther. This brings his superhero to life. So he played, hats off to him. He played Floyd Little, who was uh, one of the first black, you know, had to deal with uh, being one of the first African-American running backs in the league. He played, I didn't even know he played him, but I look back, he played him five, six years ago. So he's played so many icons that, you know, the, the body of work he left us will always be remembered. Uh, and we can't, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the NBA players shutting things down for social injustice because of uh, Jacob Blake getting shot in the back seven times in front of his children. And then uh, the, the militia guy who goes to the same city and kills two people and gets to walk home and just showing the, the difference in that. But the NBA was like, we have this moment. We we have the power. It's the thing I love about the NBA is that the players know their worth in that league. And to see how it trickled down to WNBA, uh, Major League Baseball, even the NHL. Like the NHL, if you know anything about hockey, is one of the pre most prejudiced historically uh, leagues that we have outside of the NFL, but we'll get to that. Uh, and they cancel games. You know, they they cancel games, and, and it was just a moment to see, like, okay, they realize it's bigger than sports. They realize this is not about uh, shut up and dribble. We'll, we'll never go back to that, and that was just amazing to see. And Black people are speaking up because of the George Floyd and all that resonated from that, and then everybody's just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes. Like uh, Fannie Lou Heyman said, you know, we're sick and tired, enough is enough. And so they're speaking up in ways they never spoke up before, and they're realizing their power, and that's what I'm so proud of them about. And that the fact, like I said, they're in this bubble. So they did that bubble. The NBA did the bubble for their own economic means to keep the games going. But right. that bubble is going to be where the masterminding happened. Because at first I wanted them to leave and stay gone. But then I started thinking, well, what, what, what are they going to do? Because now they'll be separated and they'll right. go back home. Like, how are they going to amplify their voices? And I heard that they said that um, there was a news report that said that President Obama talked them back into talking. And I'm like, see, you got all those guys in one bubble. You could get on one phone call and have mm. all the people you need versus everybody having to call and Zoom. And they like are probably, and they came up with some master planning where they now have voting booths that are going to be open in the arenas. They came up with what they wanted. You know, they like use this moment to say what you need and want for your community and for, which is for the betterment for the world. I, I tell, I keep speaking on this. There's never been a time when black people have thrived and everybody else haven't thrived too. There's no right. time where black people in America have thrived and no one else has thrived. So right. us thriving is in the best interest of America. And there's actually a study that says that by McKinsey, a McKinsey report that says it's proof that yeah. us thriving helps the economy in America. So there's, and us not hurts. So mm -hmm. they're, they're, I love that. They're in that bubble and they're like master planning and it's the perfect dynamics. And whenever in the NBA, ever all of them been in one place at one yeah. time, moments to happen and they have this platform to just realize but they realized that what they were doing was fine but it wasn't enough so they need right. to do more so i mean just the 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 the, uh, the all the players being together in one group like you said and having all the resources and having that brain trust where chris paul and lebron can talk to uh Giannis and they all be on one accord like that was so what was so amazing to me is like they were all on one accord and they were like this is what we need now you don't give us any more promises don't give us any more sunshine and what will happen down the line and this that and the third we need this now and it worked like the the, the owners were like okay we have to do this so it was it was that was an amazing moment um, and I will and, and Doc Rivers and all those coaches yeah. are all there with them. So Every, they have yeah. all this wisdom so have, in this house. And yeah, then you have all the history. Right. Yeah, you have all the people who Doc Rivers who've lived it. Bill Russell was chiming in, who's you know been a civil rights icon, but actually lived it. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was reaching out to him, who actually lived it. So the sports will never be the same. America will never be the same, and Black America. Uh, will never be the same and we just got to continue with this momentum and and don't let it forget like that was my biggest thing 
back when the George Floyd thing happened, I was like, ooh, what's gonna happen when the energy dissipates? But we're not letting the energy dissipate, and I, I love that, I love that. Right, I mean, the only sad part is the energy keeps going up because another case happened. So, you know, it's yeah. like that yeah. part. So yeah. I'm switching gears a little bit. Today we have uh, an icon to me that's one of my favorite, 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 and everybody who knows me, in fact, everybody who knows me that is a woman and wants to wear these dresses or even anybody wants to wear these dresses that knows me, know, have been inspired and, and, and interested and go now, their fans too, and, and clients of Byron Lars, who is a, an amazing award-winning international designer from the Bay. And you know, yeah. we talk about everything Bay, Bay Area. And yeah. we're happy to have him for the first time we get to have him on What Sibling Rivalry, and I get to interview him too personally. It's a personal meet because not only is he my favorite designer, now I feel like he's a friend. And every time I'm in New York, I have to pop by and see what's happening, talk about master plan, what's happening in his lab because his fashions are just so unique and beautiful. And all of us who wear them feel like they were made just for us because they're tailor-made for your body, really. So as soon as you put the dress on, it fits you like it was made for you right. and the top i'm wearing my byron large yeah top i say you have byron large wardrobe you have <laughs> all of it i was like it ain't just dresses i feel like everything you're like is that byron large too okay right all right pants i have a byron large section in my closet like literally it's only byron yeah from the vintage byron that i have to like new every season i can find something that is just wonderful in byron large collection so I'm happy. I know um, we're doing this on What Sibling Rivalry, but I'll have a chance to interview him on Spotlight with Shonda as part of my special segment on Black designers' influence on fashion. You know, there's a lot of things that Black designers have been doing in fashion that haven't been told. And I was inspired by the show, um, the remixes on Netflix that showed hip-hop's influence on fashion. So, right. Yes. So we want to welcome in the amazing, the incredible, the Bay's own Byron Lars. Hey! What's up? Coming live from New York City. Hey, Shonda. Hey, Kente. You know, Hi, you think I have the thing down already. It's like it's happened so much, and there's always uh, either you, they can't see me or hear me. So, right. here we are. <laughs> yeah, we can't control Zoom. We just can do the best we can with what we have during this shelter in place and pandemic. I, I love your background, though. Your background is amazing. Oh, That's how you come in. Like, yep, he's a designer. Yep, he designed. <laughs> it. Well, I'm excited. Um, and, you know, the fact that we found out not only are you from the Bay Area, then we find out he was born in Oakland. Yeah. Okay. Born yeah. in Oakland, so you oh, know, right. o Oakland's own. That's us. <laughs> There's a lot good. of great things that happened out of Oakland. Yeah. yeah, a lot of great things like in all areas, particularly like musically, we have a lot of like really amazing musicians out of there. Yeah. Oakland, particularly. Yeah. It's like some of the water there. I can't carry a tune, but my brother's a musician, so. Hey, it's in the family. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. How, how, did you, how did you migrate, or when did you migrate from the Bay to New York? Are you, how you know, I came here many years ago to go to fashion school at FIT. Okay. okay. So that's what brought me here. And, you know, like um, high-end fashion and just fashion fashion is here. Mm -hmm. I know there's some people doing it elsewhere. Like you got Kevin Hall in California, who is like amazing. I actually interned with him there like many years ago. And he's doing his thing. I do not know how he made that happen there. <laughs> And, and everybody knows him here. I just didn't even, I'm like, look, I'm just going where it is, where they are, and I'm gonna make it easier on myself. Right. And it's certainly not easy, but <laughs> at least this is where it's happening. Well, well, tell us a little bit about your fashion journey, Byron, and how that, how you evolved from, you know, I, when I started wearing your styles, they said, Byron Lars, he designed my, uh, my prom dress. So you were designing prom dresses back in the day. Yes. 
So you know what, how did you evolve problem. from Byron Lodge, the prom dress man, <laughs> to like the award-winning international designer? You know, that's funny because I didn't know that you knew any of my prom victims. <laughs> no, actually, that was my first time making women's clothes, those prom dresses. Mm. And that, that was honestly what made me know I needed to do this. Because um, I remember the first prom dress I made was for an upperclassman. So I, I didn't go to prom. I, you know, she went. And I just remember, like, when she left, it was like that night. And I'm like, wow. Something that I made is actually having like a really playing a really important role in this really important time in this person's life, and that was really infectious. That's really what got me on the whole fashion thing. Of course, I was making money, you know. So my whole thing then, I learned how to sew. I was like, hey, I can sketch you up something to make you a dress that nobody's gonna have, and that was pretty much I thought at the time just transactional, mm -hmm. you know, like. I've always had a certain degree of creativity. I took drafting courses in high school, so that's why I was um, able to kind of like fake a pattern. I'm still like amazed to this day when I look back at those pictures, like how well everything fit. I, I, you know, I guess that speaks back to like dressmaking and all the things that like black people did so many years ago when there was no fashion school. Right. And, they were making all of white society's clothes. I guess I employed some of that stuff that's historically just in us, in our DNA or something, because I'm like, I look back now, I'm like, ooh, boy, they had a whole lot of faith. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what would have happened if it didn't right. turn out, <laughs> you know, and all that, but thankfully right, did. And you had yeah. such a talent. You were yeah. such a talent. I'm sure they were like, they had faith, but they saw something. They're like, oh, where'd you get that dress made? I'm going there because that is bad. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. But yeah, the whole experience of it, though, is really what got me into this. And, um, you know, like Shonda, like you, you shared, like, oh, it feels like it's made for me. Like when I hear that, and, and I do hear that quite often, which is always makes me feel great because when you feel like that, then you can just go out in the world and do what you need to do. You're not worried about your dress or your, your look because you know it's together. You did that final check and you're like, yeah, mama looks good. So <laughs> mama can go out and conquer. Right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And the thing about Byron, I, I was wearing I was a fan and wearing your design before we even met and before you even were styling me. I was wearing your designs to the White House anytime. I was like, a black designer, I'm wearing this. I'm wearing it to any event. I was so excited because I didn't even realize it. This, I was at shopping in this one boutique in Oakland and she used to always have unique fashions and she turned me on to Byron Lars. And so I had this, I think it was a suit was the first thing I had and it was like a, uh, floral, it, it had a floral cut design in it, and, you know, just in the embroidery of it. And it had it flower buttons down the front oh, and down the back of the skirt. You know, I, I still have that suit now. <laughs> no, I still have that suit. And then it was a dress, and it was a dress, it was one of those dresses, and I think I would always see Oprah wearing this style dress. And it was like where it crunch cinched in the waist and then it had like a kind of ruffle down and it fit your you know fit your hips nice and it was like a pencil dress but then it was like off the shoulder somewhere here still have that dress <laughs> it's like they're just like the most timeless amazing pieces and they fit you so well and you know it's it's not like ridiculously priced and it's and it and it fits us you know like where we're small in the waist big in the hips and small up the top all of it fits you know so um yeah yeah Byron, let me add, piggyback on that ask a question because when you say it i remember that do you remember like like are they like your kids going out into the world do you remember all of your byron Lawrence designs like oh yeah that's junior i remember that one. Well, I don't, I wouldn't say it's, it's as deep as a child, a human right. being. However, like a child, they many aspects of their development was fraught with uh, stress and drama. <laughs> so that I don't think you 
forget. <laughs> and that kind of makes them memorable. So in that regard, I guess it is similar <laughs> to <laughs> child rearing. Okay. <laughs> to keep up with the latest on What Sibling Rivalry podcast, please subscribe to us on your favorite platform. On Apple Podcasts, click on the subscribe button. And please don't forget to leave us a review and rating. On Spotify, click on the follow button under our picture. And on Stitcher, click on the plus sign under our picture. This will keep you up to date on all the fun and funny. Personally, I mean, I'm not a designer at all, so I don't know the how that evolves. But personally, I'm like, it's just amazing. The design, the patches and the patchwork that you come up with and how that connects. But even just like to think about this piece had like floral embroidery kind of like etched into the, the, the jacket. But then to think, finish it off with the buttons that are floral to flower buttons is just amazing. So how do you come up with those concepts? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, honestly, it is absolutely like divine intervention because you know, like most creatives, like my space is pretty messy. I mean, look at this fabric wall behind me. And a lot of times, like, I'll be like throwing swatches everywhere, looking for something in particular. And what lands on the table is something like that's 70% finished. It's like, wow, those look amazing together. So a lot of times it's like that. A lot of times I have to work harder for it, but that happens so often that I just know there's something else at work and and just the process. It's not like me creating things all the time. Sometimes I feel like it's actually through me, you know what I mean? Many times. I think anybody who creates anything probably has a very similar experience because, and sometimes even when that thought is there and it's in this head and it's so fully fleshed out, it's like, I'm not actively thinking about fashion. I'm not actively thinking about anything. Sometimes I'm just like, mm, what's for dinner? Maybe chicken? And then <laughs> boom, you know, a right. fully formed dress, jacket, pants, whatever. And then I'm like, there's no way that I put that there because I'm thinking about things way less complicated, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. actively. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I guess inactively, there's always that problem solving going on in there and um and then and gifts being given and all that stuff so you know i'm like yeah well thanks i'll write that one down <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense well how, how long have you been in the business how because you've been doing divine intervention for a long time because all your pieces are amazing mm. well thanks i have been in the business now for 30 plus years wow Can you believe it i started when i was uh my i shipped my first collection when I was, well, 30 years, because I'm 55. And I was 25 when I shipped my first collection. And you know what, then, this is funny, because then I was like, I remember turning 25, I have like a birthday triplet. A friend that I was working with at the time at a job, we're born the same day, same year, she's French. South African guy, born the same day, same year, we're all friends. And it was like, and we turned 25 the same day, and we were all, catatonic we just thought 25 was like oh my god it's like so old century we old right we don't do anything we better get busy (laughs) do it now how ridiculous it's like really 25 you're like a kid still but um anyway that was really what happened and i like got busy i like i quit that job (laughs) where my friend worked because uh I started freelancing and making patterns for this other designer that had just separated from his partner. So that allowed me to like make some money mm-hmm. while I was making the first set of samples. And then, um, you know, it was like some silk satin, baseball jacket, dresses, bustiers, and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, it was pretty like DYI. I just put them in a garment bag, put them on my back and start walking the stores. And meanwhile, I walked to Vogue got an appointment it was crazy i was like i think back i'm like how did these people even let me in but that was before you had an instagram account so people could like bet you before you showed up right 
And, yeah, that's uh, when you could just go knock on someone's yeah. door and just yes. drop in and make it happen. I'm still a little bit surprised at how easy it was to get in front of some pretty major people because it was just like, who are you? How did you even think you'd get in here? But then there I was with the garment bag and I opened it up. My first appointment was Bendel's. They ordered it right then and there on the spot. Mm. Wow. Um, and I'm like, look, guys, I'm sorry now. So this, this will have to be COD because uh, <laughs> it will just have to. <laughs> right. And right. they were really good with that. And they gave me the whole, like, Fifth Avenue windows with that stuff. Wow. First of like, I was like, that's ridiculous. No, that is amazing, Byron. That 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 is amazing. Like, even yeah. now, any time in life, that story right there is amazing. But it's, The ingenuity and then yeah. the blessing in it, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's, yeah. It's, it's the, but it's the the epitome of the Bay Hustle, like from Too Short selling stuff out of his trunk to Master P when he came to the Bay selling stuff out of his trunk. It's like you took that Bay Hustle and that Bay confidence in your product and took it to the fashion world. Like you were like, you went out the trunk, but you were definitely out of the suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, right. it was a little bit of trunk. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty, uh, unglamorous shall we say but um you know what though but that was a time though when like there were true merchants mm -hmm. and they loved that level of what was happening and what was burgeoning you know underneath the surface and what hadn't happened yet and they were like really excited to be a part of that the development of something new that was happening because shortly after that I um yeah I started taking stuff around in magazines and stuff and I took some of the Harper Bazaar, met uh, Jeanette Chang there and she was just like listen, your stuff is great. I want your next stop to be to see this woman. Who ended up being my first business partner, mm. and she was actually the the person behind Patrick Kelly, who um had at that point recently passed away she was uh, she's american but she went back and forth from here to paris to you know run things if she was here on the weekends she had a kid and then in paris during the week you know running that and she was the one that orchestrated this deal with an american company that was his backer at the time and uh after he passed away untimely she moved back and started a business here harvest bazaar sent me to her and then i come in and this is like I don't know if anybody knows Patrick, but we have uh, mm -hmm. very similar physicality. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Big smiley black man, right? New <laughs> fashion. So she watched me come in, and then she um, she clearly she like, had a reaction, like kind of traumatized because she was like, "Listen, I just went through all that. I lived that, oh, and now wow. I'm doing this, and I don't want to be doing that. And you look." <laughs> it was just a lot for you know <laughs> her to take in and of course you know i only discovered who she was with regard to him of course you know everybody knew him and i was like a big big fan but then i'm like oh my god that was you mm -hmm. i'm like wow that was amazing and then like and anyway so really the only reason i went there was because jeanette told me to and i'm like there's no way i can go back to bazaar if I didn't follow up on a lead, because at first I'm like, is she a store? Is it a store? Because I'm like, I need some orders. <laughs> um, yeah, that was just like, Papa needs rent. So, uh, no, she's not, but she, you know, she develops designers and blah, blah, blah. Went there, met her, and um, we hit it off. She's really amazing. We're still great friends to this very day. And uh, her name's Miriam Wheaton. And, uh, then um, she, you know, had, of course, all these contacts from her history before Patrick Kelly. She was at Carl Lagerfeld, president of that, and oh. before that, president of, like, YSL. So she had a pretty, you know, amazing pedigree in fashion. So to come in out of nowhere and get that kind of introduction to, you know, the industry at large was pretty awesome, to say right. the least. Um, so, but, you know, even though she had that influence, I mean, we didn't have backers. So 
she, I was working on a new collection and everything, and uh, she started calling stores to come see it. And she called uh, then. Back in those days, department stores had what they called a fashion office. Mm. And I know they still do it, but it's not the same. Fashion office was basically like talent scouts. Oh. They were the ones that like went out into the field and vetted what was good, what was worthy, what wasn't. And they brought it back. And then the buyers directed the buyers like, hey, you got to buy this. Mm-hmm. And of course, a lot of times the buyers would be very resentful because it's like, listen, I don't know who this is. I don't know what this is. And, you know, there was a little, there was right. always a little bit of a power thing going there, but it's just like they existed for a reason because they would leave no stone unturned to find something that was new and hopefully interesting and worthy of, you know, supporting. So um, Cal Ruttenstein was that guy then. And he came to uh, Marion Wheaton's office where the, the clothes were and everything. And he was completely stone-faced as they showed him everything. I was like, oh, well, there, that's that. I guess it didn't work. <laughs> you know, and after they finished the whole spiel, he stood up and still stone-faced and walked straight to me. He's like, young man, you're a great talent. And I'd like to give you a shop on the whatever floor in Bloomingdale's. And I was just like, you got. I'm like you have got to be kidding. Me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And he wasn't, and <laughs> and they paid because of Marianne was like, listen, we got no money here, so you have to pay for this order, fifty percent up front, because that's going to finance production. And they did. Wow. That's what happened back then, because. And it wasn't like times were great. It was actually in the middle of a recession. And that's honestly the only reason I even had the courage to start in the beginning. Because I'm like, oh, I mean, what can you lose? It's just like, I was thinking, there's no way it could grow beyond me too fast because the economy sucks. Right. And you (laughs) have to do something. And so, Byron, what, so speaking of that, you know, since COVID, so much has changed. How much is, how has it impacted the fashion industry? I know it's been a tremendous hit. How has it impacted you? And what it, what do you see as the evolution that will happen post-COVID, you know, post us finding a way to survive and exist and still have an economy? Well, that's funny. That's really the reason I brought that story up because it's like, here we are. I feel like I'm right back at starting point again, because it's devastated the fashion industry, you know, and um, like, well, unlike then, I do have a history and I do have a customer base and there is stuff to lose, but you know what? That die has been cast in terms of like, just the universe has put out there what's happening. We all are gonna have to make adjustments. And honestly, I am, overwhelmingly excited more than anything of course i'm scared and all but like the the combination of like fright and excitement gives you that energy Mm -hmm. i guess not dissimilar to all those years ago that make think in new ways and you know open up your mind and i am thinking in new ways and i'm really excited about a lot of new directions that i'll be taking can't really I mean, like even some more accessible fashion because as people like are still at home and they're not going back to their offices anytime soon, significantly, I mean, she's living a different life. And I know there's some of my girl like, Shonda, I mean, I'm I'm sure you're serving. (laughs) I'm rocking my Byron wide leg pants on my Zoom call. (laughs) Nobody can see it, but I'm... I got to match yeah. up my outfit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do. Uh, I do yeah, Shonda gets dressed. Shonda does the whole outfit. Like, I'm Zoom ready. Waist up, <laughs> I'm camera ready. Waist down, you don't want to see what's going on. But Shonda does the whole ensemble. Oh, I'm I the know. one that if people in the house are like, where are you going? I'm like, Zoom call. What do you mean? I'm wearing my Byron Lawn <laughs> outfit. I want to wear my pants. But I have bought more athletic wear than I ever had before but 
fashiony athletic wear. So, you know, if by and large has some inspired athletic kind of wear coming out, oh, <laughs> that'll be perfect too. Like I said, every collection and season, you have something for me. So. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for that. Shana. Yeah, well, that is absolutely where it's going. And, and some things that are like, some things in the direction that I've always appreciated, but haven't really taken root as readily as maybe some other things. Cause you know, everybody knows me for fitted things. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. When things are easy and away from the body, it still takes a degree of fit to make mm -hmm. them sing. And you know, it's just like, it takes a little more refined eye to recognize that and on a hanger you're just not going to on your body you absolutely will it will just feel different it will be on your body as opposed to just shifting around and going right. all everywhere like you know other stuff so that i'm i'm really excited about like having like more of uh an opportunity for that kind of silhouette and that kind of sensibility to take hold because i do truly believe in i believe in fitted things i believe in away things it's all body conscious because I'm always aware of the body that will be wearing them. So just because it's, you know, away from the body doesn't mean that like there's not the same level of consideration taken for the body that wears it. So will you also yeah. include masks too? By just a real quick, will you include matching masks for your because you have such beautiful design pieces that a mask you know people are starting to get creative with the mask now i will actually you know what if you can just i, I can just go and get a couple because i have oh, wait. I'd like, oh please please, please, They're not please do They're not i know but please do we we like that exclusivity and i'd like to see what i need to look for <laughs> okay you got to get uh, a mask you gotta got the outfit to match your mask <laughs> the mask to match your outfit I do. You got the coordinates. Uh, you got the coordinates. Yes. Well, here's one that I don't know if you Oh, can. and look so, at that. See, it's not, that's beautiful. It's kind of like tailored. Is that the button in the front? There's a jacket. Yeah, you have a, a suit that matches that. All that. And uh, I'll, uh, I guess we're going to have a little mass fashion show. All right. Did she say mask? <laughs> yeah, just have them walk on in. Like, yeah. hey, this is a preview, and you can find it's it on byronlars.com. I like that one. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you know what? We decided that, um, you know, so many of them are just like, that you see are just fabrics. And right. People just cutting a fabric and making a mask. And we're like, oh, I think it could be a little bit more interesting than that. Yeah. But to be honest with you and completely candid, everybody kept asking me, um, am I making masks? And I was like, I would answer with a resounding no. Absolutely. Right. Um, because I just, nobody needs me for that is what I thought. Right. And then, you know, the more, um, I didn't think about it at all. Like a colleague that works in China in our factory, you know what, like got this whole product, like the, the whole prototype set up. And she's like, what do you think about us making masks? And of course, Sheila asked wow. and um, was relaying messages from other people and customers like, oh, we want to buy them if he makes them. I'm just like, nobody needs me for that. And then Monica, this colleague in China, that's it. I'm, I think so. Um, had uh, gotten some prototypes ready with the pattern makers that I work with all the time, like just like the pattern part, because I was thinking like I'm not gonna work for you know a week, ten days perfecting the shape of this. But we had worked together for so many years that <laughs> I mean, what she has here is exactly. I would have oh wow if I put all my heart in it, but I just wasn't going to. Right. I was going to. But then this is the universe telling you you need to make math. Right. Here's why. Because of that thing, the accessibility. Like all the women that may have wanted to be a part of this story, but for whatever reason, either like financially or what size they may happen to be, because we don't carry that, can actually now have something. 
Mm -hmm. Right. Definitely a way that to be inclusive in a way that I never was able to before. So that's definitely in alignment with my value system. And, um, and then I start, we, like I say, I start seeing like all the other, cause I'm like, there's so many out there. But when right. I start seeing what they were, I'm like, but they're still not, I mean. Fashionable. Fa you want to be fashionable. Right. Yeah. Like, so I'm like, since this, we're in this for the long haul and hopefully not that long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is just what we're going to, we're and it's a necessary eat. now. It's a necessary now. How about one that has a hood and it had a mask, Byron, or something <laughs> like that? Like a ninja? But not but ninja, but fashion ninja. You know, like Grace <laughs> Jones. Ninja? Grace Jones. That's Grace <laughs> Jones with this, and you know what I mean? And you just okay. like Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, wait, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will take that under advisement. Okay, you can take it off like this and put it on like that. <laughs> it's and like, and it kind of has a collar and then it has, the, yeah, right. Because I know Byron, I'm like, he's going to come up with something that's like, okay, that's a mask, but that's not a mask. That's a fashion I, I piece that I need. Well, we're we're calling them face wear, too, to just get the whole oh, idea. Yeah. Of, I mean, it is a mask. They are it's better than a mask. It's face wear. It, it changes the changes your perception of it. It's just like elevated some because it's like, yes, this is something that we all need to be doing, but it's also <sighs> transcending right. on just that. Right. And right. what I thought right. really was happening all along, because, you know, I'd seen some interesting ones on the street in terms of the fabric. Like it's leopard, it's this, it's Ooh. that. And of course we have some of that too. They're like just interesting fabrics that we have and we just cut the mask because of course those will be the lowest price point. But, you know, I never saw anything quite beyond that. And then I'm like, wow, maybe this is a reason for us to be in this. And yes, do, do you absolutely need it? Absolutely not, but do you absolutely need fashion? Shonda would say a resounding yes. You absolutely need this. <laughs> it's like yeah. what? Fashion you know, makes the world go round. You can't fashion. live without fashion. I mean, right. you know, it makes you happy when you're sad. So, you know. You know, that's true. That is absolutely true. And um, the thing about fashion and not just clothes is I'm always very surprised by the things that, like, move me the most because you, you you think you know yourself you think you know what you like what you don't like until that thing completely out of the box you know comes into your world and you can't live without it <laughs> and you discover something new about yourself which is always interesting you know to know that like okay i haven't figured it all out and that's great <laughs> you know so Anyway, so Byron, tell us this just for fun. Let's just say if you had to pick three of the top models, or not models, just three people that you'd want to walk down the catwalk in your, your fantasy. fantasy gear. And this is our final kind of wrap-up question, but bringing the fun back to fashion. Who would you have walking down strutting Byron Lars? You can give three since we want to Here's give you a little thing. flavor. Here's the thing, like I'm often asked, like, Plus, like some of your favorite celebrities that have worn your clothes and everything, it's just like, and here's the thing, as much as I love and appreciate their support and admire their work ethic and their accomplishments, you know, I really just have the same experience seeing any woman wearing my clothes. You know what I mean? Like seeing herself in it. So for the answer to that question, is the three women that it would be would be closing my eyes and turning and pointing you <laughs> you and you <laughs> we, we, we could bring shonda out of retirement we could bring shonda out of her hey, retirement not out of retirement because when i wear that well, large, like, with okay when i wear that sweater that full-length sweater jacket with the hood that gray one 
Oh, I'm 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 all of Naomi Campbell walking down the street in that <laughs> man. I'm so bad in that jacket with jeans on, boots on, dress on. That that is going to be my forever winter piece. And I was it got so cold in the Bay Area that I ended up having to wear it here. And people people my clock they were like chasing me down like where did you find that? Where is that? I'm like thank you, because when I wore it in D.C. they loved it there. You know I'm like that is, and you know hey. Look, you, you are make, you make the life. woman the model runway, but you make the woman the supermodel in your clothes. You know, that's what I like to think about. I like to think about every woman has that supermodel in her. But you, my girl, you wrecked me when you came in. Like you came in an event of ours in that coat. And that's the first time I ever saw anybody not a model in that coat. And I was like, well, damn. And it was you. That is like your piece. There's some people that are like, okay, yes, they look good on everybody, but then there's, there's some certain women that just like, yeah, but nobody's gonna look this good or better, certainly, ever than this particular person at <laughs> this particular piece. Because Mrs. O, Thank like, you. one dress that like was, I didn't even like the dress so much, you know what I mean? But we sent it to her. She liked it, she wore it to several things, but Oh my God, when I saw a dress on her, I'm like, well, dying. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I did that? Okay, you're like, thank you very much. Yeah. I made that. <laughs> and it was definitely her. It was not right. that dress. Like sometimes it's just, there's that thing that's just, especially. You just own it. You put it on and you just own yes. it. And it's like, this made me feel right. me, my best me. <laughs> yes, that's just that like a, There's something about a Byron Lars piece that fits with that person that brings out the best in them, so it brings out the best in the piece. Hey, that's your slogan right there. Gave it to All you. Right. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's a one sibling <laughs> rivalry moment. Well, Byron, we are so thankful to have you for this time and moment. Straight out into your into your lab, where yes. all the magic happens and uh, the divine intervention is inspired. So uh, thank you for, for joining us to, on What Sibling Rivalry. We, we appreciate your genius, and I personally appreciate all you do to make me feel more beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I, my battery's just about to go, so this is like perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> that divine intervention once again. All the time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, and thank Shonda, you, and I look forward to like seeing all you the in the spotlight. All right. Yes. Yes. And Shonda, just like all of Byron's pieces, what sibling rivalry is what? All about love. It's all about love. We got